I think a lot of people are tired of just seeing just straight up oppression and, you know, that kind of form of, you know, showing us in that light all the time. During Black History Month, folks were talking about that. You know, there were a bunch of memes like, you know, this is what people uh, equate Black History Month to us. And it was a bunch of like movies that were oppressive movies and like, you know, <laughs> boycott movies and like all kind of stuff like, oh, yeah, you know, this is how folks see us one month you know, out of the year as far as um, the things that we've overcome. And that was decades ago, you know, yeah. instead of it being more of like the happy things and more modern kind of things. But there are some producers and um, I can't remember the, the young lady's name, who's on Blackish, the, oh. the younger sister. I can't think of her name, but I know she's, she's like the youngest movie producer. Yep. Yeah, she is. Yeah. yeah. She's gone on record to say that she will never make any of those type of films, any films that are oppressive to black folks. And at first I was like, really? Like, that's, that's a fair. whole like market, you know, but she's young and she's a, a bona fide producer right. and she can make that statement and hold true to it because she's, you know, I think she's like probably 16, 17 years old if that. and she's already in the business. She's already there right. and she's got, you know, success backing her. So she says, this is my constitution. Then that's what it is. Yeah. You and know, then, and then plus the reason why, why do we have so many of those movies and they're, and they're kind of the same. Well, that's we're not the, the head of studios and right. that's what's the market value behind this. And like, this formula works, so let's just go with it because we'll get something out of it, you know? They know it'll work mm -hmm. regardless of what it means to us. Right. Because they did the same thing with any other folks that wouldn't slide. Mm -hmm. It's easy to be like one thing with a black face on it that you can relate to regardless of what it is. Almost kind of like I was saying about the food. Should you be eating it? Probably not. But there's a morsel of something in there, we'll take it. And so mm -hmm. I think that the stuff that's given to us is not like stuff that's given to them. Mm -hmm. And so us supporting something does not mean the same thing as other people when they support stuff. Right. It's one thing between supporting something when you have choice versus when you don't have choice. It's kind of like, well, you ate the rotten apples. Well, I only had rotten apples to eat. Mm -hmm. That's not choice. Right, right. But, but you eat them. So I'll give you more rotten apples. Mm -hmm. Matter of fact, we got that conversation one of these days too. And I've been itching to talk about it as well. You know, as far as the stuff that we get, as far as like media and movies and music and things like that, like, should we support it just because they have our faces on it? I know it's the mixed thing of like, if you don't support it, they won't make more of it. But then right. what if they're making more of what you don't necessarily want, but it just has mm -hmm. your face on it? Mm -hmm. You know, do we have to eat the, the bad apple? And do we sacrifice and be like, hey, we just don't eat? Because I think they're... it depends on the person. I think I, I grew up in an era and kind of, you know, we I didn't see a lot of us helming, like, you know, Bill Cosby was like a big thing when it mm -hmm. happened. And we all watched it when it first came out and all of that. Yeah. Um, but I would see supporting characters and stuff, you know, growing up and all of that. So then when I raised my kids, it was like, you know, there's always that, like, that thing of Black people are on TV, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And we all gather around the TV yeah. to watch from a long time ago. But with my kids, it was like, you know, we limited television for them during the week because it was like, you know, you come home, you do your homework and, you know, have family time and um, do whatever from there. But we limited television. But when it came down to Black shows, you know what I mean? We'd be like, yeah. okay, well, you can watch this show because there's, you know, we don't see enough of us on TV. So this is like an exception to, you know, what you can, you know, watch. Obviously it was quality stuff. We didn't just like yeah. watch kind of crappy stuff. But then, you know, I'm a big fan of Spike Lee. Me too. But there's like, there's a couple of his movies that I was like, mm. but when he first came out, I was like, if it starts with an S and ends with an L, I'll be right there front and center. You right. know what I mean? But there was one that was kind of like about like a vampire or something like that or you know that's what how... that's when i got off for the blood of jesus or something like that yeah, or something about the... yeah, yeah i can't something... do that yeah 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 i didn't understand that because yeah. i think 
I kind of pigeonholed him into like, he's somebody that ups, uplifts us, you know what I mean? And shows us in these great lights, you know what I mean? As far as like Mo Better Blues and, you know, even Jungle Fever, like, you know, you know, all of those characters were uplifting folks. And even if they're not ideal, it's not like, oh, they're just so wrong. It's almost kind of like, yeah. well, that's kind of how that might happen because of that situation, which I think is beautiful because we are nuanced. Right. And we could go through and feel and do things without necessarily being the bad guy, bad guy. And you could relate to those people that weren't, right. you know, necessarily, you know, if you look at Jungle Fever and you see the main character had this high power job and his wife did, but you also saw that his brother was a crackhead, you know, mm -hmm. and, and that was relatable too. Like, you know, um, some folks have, you know, um, unfortunately have had to deal with that in the family and, and he showed that too, you know. So anything that he wrote or anything, I was like, you know, wh when, where, how, I need, I need yeah. to be there. But I didn't quite get where that term went, and I don't think he's done anything else like that. From it, I don't, I don't think it necessarily did as well, mm -hmm. um, because we want to keep him in the container that we want him to be in. Like, oh, you can't necessarily go in a different direction. So I don't know how that fared because I just didn't. I wasn't interested. Yeah, I don't think it did as well as some of his other ones. And I also don't think it was like, it wasn't really pushed either. But I just remember just the idea of it. And I thought like, I'm just funny about that kind of stuff. And our people mixed in that kind of stuff. It was just very heavy. Yeah, so I, I didn't, I couldn't. Even from the trailer, I was like, you know, and I normally just see Spike Lee movies. Like you said, if Spike Lee did it, I'm going to check it out. But mm -hmm. for just to be stuff like that, I just, for me, I just couldn't get myself to, um, to do it. So what was the other movie that you didn't care to see or care for? Um, I don't think I saw the basketball one. He oh, got game. He got game? I didn't see it in the theater. I saw it, you know, I think I rented it later on or something like that. Did you like it though? When you saw it? Yeah, I liked it. I mean, you know, Denzel was in it, wasn't he? Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. yeah. Um, but even with Denzel in it, I was like, ah, I'm not really like into basketball as much. Yeah. I know it wasn't a basketball movie, but right. You know, I just wasn't really that interested. And when I saw it, I, th I thought it was good. But I've seen all the other ones. You know, I have a whole collection of, of Spike Lee movies. And, you know, I, I quite as kept. I met him um, at a Black Expo in New York. And people say this, like, never meet your uh, celebrity, you know, somebody that you, you're fond of in that sense, because yeah, yeah. you're just going to freak out. And I did. I was like, That's you know, funny. I waited in line and my family, like, pushed me. We just went to this expo and he just happened to be there. My family's like, oh, Spike Lee's there. You should go meet him. I was like, no, 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 not going to do it. And they were like, are you, are you losing your mind? Like, right, right. we all know that you're a fan, so go meet him. Mm -hmm. And, you know, he had a store, Spike's Joint. And mm -hmm. I had been there a couple of times. And so he was selling his merchandise at this expo. And I waited in line and I, you know, I, I got up to him and picked up a hat real quick for him to sign. And I was like, you know, I said the dreaded thing that no one should say, I'm your biggest fan. <laughs> he looked very concerned, like looking for security at that point. That's funny. <laughs> and I was like, um, today's my birthday. And he was like, oh, so, you know, he, he said something like, oh, it's um, Mike Tyson's birthday. And I said, oh, it's Lena Horne's birthday too. And he signed my hat and that was that was it. That was my meeting Spike Lee. I always wanted to do over like a mulligan for that. Like I, I, I won't ambush you this time. That was cool. And that's what kind of happens with those kind of situations anyway. That's good. There's nothing wrong with that. That's funny though. It like, is funny. I can laugh at it now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I love his movies. I like the light he puts us in. When's our Spike Lee uh, podcast? Did you already do that? No, we could do one. <laughs> Like I said, I like all his movies. I think that he's he's brilliant. I think it's a shame that he still got to scratch and plead for money to do movies when you got other folks that studios let them do whatever and they don't tell them what to write about, don't tell them, don't give them no notes, just let them do what they want to do. He should be up mm -hmm. there. Just like Quentin could go right. up there and do whatever he wants to do or Clint Eastwood, they give him a mm -hmm. budget, he can do whatever he want to. Spike, no, he more than right. earned that. He put cultures mm -hmm. on the screen. It's like, right. how many people could take something, a culture, and then do an interpretation of it that is truthful, but not offensive. You know right. what I mean? That's a mm -hmm. fine line to do that, that find the truth of the situation. Society needs him. 
and needed him even if they didn't want to admit it because we wasn't shown in those kind of situations and if we were shown in certain situations it wasn't done that way it wasn't nuanced what you're saying is is so true because we feel like he belongs to us yeah you know what i mean and like i think he, he feels like he belonged to us too exactly he made a statement one time about awards because you know he wasn't being nominated right. you know and he was like i'm not doing it for that Right. You know, I'm not, I'm not doing it for, you know, awards. So I always like that about him too. And just the fact that he's considered like a rebel, you know, mm -hmm. because he kind of bucks the system in a mm -hmm. sense, like I'm gonna say what I want to say. Sometimes he says some things that's like, eh, maybe not that, but yeah, yeah. you know, the majority of stuff that he's saying, I don't know if you're a Tyler Perry fan, but I know they no. had kind of a little, yeah. Well, I'm glad you said that, but <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, I am a fan of the man in the sense of like, anybody that overcomes adversity in the sense of like, how he came up basically, you know, he had a, a goal and he became successful at it. I'm not necessarily a fan of the films. I think, you know, maybe the first one was one thing, but it's a whole thing. And, you know, and that's not to knock people that are, cause you know, everybody has different tastes and stuff, but. My other podcast, I had a conversation with my buddies and we got into this big argument about Spike Lee and um, Tyler Perry. Yeah about their success and what Tyler Perry got versus what Spike Lee got and all this other kind of stuff. And I'm thinking like my point that I made was that they're totally different kind of directors. Yeah. And even though I'm not saying it was easy for Tyler Perry, I will say that the road to his success, he probably had a little wind in his back as opposed to Spike Lee who had to scratch and pull his way up. Mm -hmm. And there's a reason why Tyler Perry got a studio and Spike Lee not saying that he even wants one, but it's probably not in right. the same kind of place. They're selling mm -hmm. two different things. I consider mm -hmm. Spike Lee fine dining and I consider Tyler Perry like, you know, fast food like McDonald's. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Now, if you go by success, McDonald's is the best restaurant in the world. If you go by mm -hmm. millions served, right? But mm -hmm. what's the quality of it? So I didn't think it was a fair thing to think like, you know, like that mattered to who and what he's done. When people throw out like, well, you know, Tyler Perry did it. I'm like, well, he would. He's selling fast food that sells mm -hmm. well. And people are, you know, not going to be offended by it. You know, it's it's bad for you. It gives you a sugar spike so you feel good, but it's not really good for you. So that's mm -hmm. always been easy to sell. Not taking right. away from what he's done and, and the stuff that he does behind the scenes to right wrongs or whatever, whatever. But I'm just saying that's a whole different thing. Like I said, it'd just be a bigger journey for Spike Lee to ever have anything like that. When he should really be taken care of by Hollywood. Even though he made movies for us, it's kind of like for everybody. Yeah. Where else are you going to get that kind of perspective? He's giving it to you. Mm -hmm. Both sides, everybody can see it and see something in it and understand. He's an interpreter. Right. How many people could do that? You know how many people got the microphone and don't have nothing to add? Mm -hmm. And he's out there and he got to beg to speak. Right, right. Where else is the smartest person in the room or the person who could show and prove is the one that you just don't let on the mic? They always got to fight to go up front. Mm -hmm. But they're the ones always having the answers or, or have clarity of the situation. Mm -hmm. That's true. In a way, it kind of fits, you know, with America. But then also, it's a shame. It's a shame. Yeah. You know? The yeah. fool should be the one that's always got the mic. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's it's true. It's interesting because um, I think there, I've heard or seen, like, stuff written about Tyler Perry's like writing, you know, just the writing in general and mm -hmm. how he, he says, oh, I do it all myself. I don't get any help from anybody else. And I believe it. Talk about that. And then like, well, you should get some help from other people to help you develop these plots, but it's a formula and it works. And, you know, when I see the first couple ones that came out, like I saw it and I was like, I, I don't need to necessarily do that again. And I did it. I went for several reasons. One to support my people. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? Like, yeah, I'll go see it. But I was like, I don't need to see it again. And then I think there was like one or two more. And then there was more and more and more and more. And I was like, I kind of feel like, does he get tired of dressing up and doing all of that stuff? And I'm sure he's goal oriented because he had to be from starting off to writing the plays. And like, I think he was sleeping in his car and he got support from, you know, people helping him and all of those things. That's what I really love about him. Yeah. But I want him to retire that whole thing and just, you you know, the, the fact that you got your studio to me is like you made it. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. and I've seen him in other little, you know, character acting in other, you know, movies, which is good, you know, to see him in that. But 
you know, I think he can retire that Medea situation. Yeah. I think he tried to, and he tried to make some other kind of movies, and he didn't do good. So then he did another one for like Netflix. So yeah, and that kind of shows you, like you know, sometimes you are a slave to your success or what people know you to be, mm-hmm. and won't let you out of it, regardless if you have more to offer or not. Um, yeah, that, that whole thing is just very. It's a lot. It's a lot tied up in there. It's a, it's, a, it's a lot. So real quick on Spike Lee, do you have like two or three movies that you like of Spike Lee's that you were surprised that you thought he went somewhere crazy with something and he pulled it off? Like he probably wouldn't have watched it if it wasn't him making it. I got three. Okay. So one movie for sure, uh, Bamboozled. Even though I like the idea of that kind of a movie, I probably wouldn't have watched it if it wasn't him doing it. That movie to me is very mm-hmm. haunting, very truthful, and, and kind of scary. The truth of, of Hollywood and just kind of being locked in, into people's perception, um, thinking you have power, being tempted with power, and mm-hmm. does it change you and how you deal with that kind of thing, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, because even in our freedom, when we're quote unquote free, we're not really free. We're, we're tied in other kind of ways. So even when we try to do our thing, I think a lot of us is, are compromised and we just don't know the level of it until we hit that line where, you know, oh, you don't you don't appreciate working here anymore. And that's tied mm-hmm. into your job and your livelihood and your kids and all the other stuff that's tied to you is tied to that, you know? And sometimes mm-hmm. we cross that line fighting and sometimes we, we fall over on it. So we get, we go over in different ways and different levels. And it was just interesting to kind of see in that movie. But to me, it's hard for me to watch, even though I enjoy it. It's very haunting. Um, like some of the stuff that went down in there, especially with uh young Glover, that whole thing that happened with him and all that kind of stuff. And how the things that people were insulted and sickened by became the popular thing, wearing mm-hmm. a dress and everybody think it's funny and it's acceptable now. But if mm-hmm. something have your face on it presented to you, then it's okay. When you mm-hmm. know it's not. Right. Right. It did that beautiful slippery slope wonderfully. Mm-hmm. Like I sat there and watched that. I was like, oh, what's huh? What? Huh? It just kind of went through the through the whole journey of it. And it was just like, wow. Right. I, I, right. Wow. That was mm-hmm. masterfully done. Mm-hmm. I don't think anybody else could have did that without it just being offensive. Right. Like to just show the struggle and, and peep some people being aware of it's happening. Because sometimes mm-hmm. when stuff happens, you don't see anybody checking nobody or saying anything about it. But it was like mm-hmm. concerns and brought up. Mm-hmm. And then justification, I'm doing this because of blah, blah, blah. Ego or financial problems. It's like everything that make you fall into line was being brought up with nuance. Mm-hmm. When most times mm-hmm. that's not brought up. There was just a bad person who made a bad decision. No, right. that stuff is right. nuanced. And I never really mm-hmm. seen that done like that in that way to show how somebody who was like down end up, you know, being on the wrong side of a situation. Mm-hmm. And so I thought that yeah. was w- well done. And that's not a movie I would have saw if anybody else would have did it. And even when I watch it now, just because some of the imagery and some of the stuff that happens in it is really rough for me. Yeah. But I still... If I saw it on, I probably wouldn't turn away from it just because it would just draw me in because it's just something about that movie that speaks to me, even though it's not a movie I would just be sitting up and watching on a normal basis. Right, right. That's one. Another one that I would say that wouldn't be my type of movie, but it kind of grabbed me. I would say She Hates Me. Hmm. The, the premise of it alone, it was a whole bunch of uh, it was a whole bunch of stuff going on with that movie. It's about um, uh, a company making a medicine. It was about a guy find out his woman was gay. Mm-hmm. So she's with her woman, and they have friends that are high powered and successful and whatnot, and they they want kids and they need a donor. And uh, what started out was supposed to be. Him trying to figure out if he's going to do this for his ex-woman and his and her lady mm-hmm. become almost a business and how it just kind of got out of hand real quickly and what that really meant, you know, mm-hmm. like if he's just a sperm donor, is that all it is? And is he responsible for that? Is it connected to him? If it was just a donor, this is the first time I ever heard that kind of coming up and actually showing how regardless, you're still connected to that child. That child is still yours. That's still you out there. Be it you feeling like, you know, you never seen or they'll never find you and 
you'll never know for sure kind of stuff. I thought the way it was dealt with was very interesting. I thought it was interesting, the scenario and all that. And only Spike would come up with something so crazy. And I don't remember if he wrote it or came up with the story or not, but just the idea of making something like that kind of entertaining mm -hmm. and the relationships and the, you know, if it's ethical or not. And it was tied in for a whole bunch of other stuff that had a lot going on in that movie. And to me, it was a premise that was kind of like all over the place and hitting some strong stuff, but yet and still, I enjoyed it. And it was just kind of like, huh? Like that wouldn't be a movie I'll be sitting up there watching on a normal basis with, right. with this guy getting tied in with all these, all these couples to have all these kids. Mm -hmm. and him having actual discussions with his friends about it and how people saw it on the outside and even got to a point where he even went to court saying, if, you know, if he's responsible for these children and if what he was doing was right or wrong. And the irony of it is, it's like, you know, clinics do that, make billions of dollars off it all the time. But if it was a black guy doing it for black people, then he had to go to court about it. Mm -hmm. And he's going to try to take them down. But how is that mm -hmm. any different than, than what's being done already anyway? Right. You know, don't do as I do, do as I tell you mm -hmm. um, kind of a situation. So I thought that was very interesting. And also a movie that granted cinematography is always beautiful. Always. Yep. You know, the costume is always beautiful. That soundtrack. I know his dad used to be, be over some of that stuff, but even the music selections, like yep. I still buy his scores. Like mm -hmm. I got the score for he, She Hates Me. I love that. It's just the, right. just the horns, the arrangements, even the selection of songs. Ernest Dickerson, he enhanced Spike Lee's eye just as much as the music and Ruth Carter with, with her clothing and costume design yeah. and all that. Like, yeah. oof. So, and then just think of all the people that came out of there as far as and the Terrence, actors and stuff. Terrence Blanchard. Blanchard, yeah. Yep. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah, so all that stuff. He's always reached down and bring people up with him that he's done as far as representation. Yeah, um, and like I said, like so all the famous people that came up after, you know, being vetted through him. And it's just like, yeah, Spike Lee had him first, you know, giving people their shine. And I just think it's beautiful. And people always kind of go back to him. That's why you mm -hmm. have years later, you have Denzel Washington going back. You know, it says a lot about him. I think my last movie that I think I probably wouldn't have checked out if it was directed by somebody else. He didn't write it. I think it was based off of a short novel or a book or something like that. 25th Hour. Mm, with Edward that Norton. would be one of mine. Edward yeah. Norton. I wouldn't have thought yeah. to watch that kind of movie is about a guy that got to turn himself in, right? Mm -hmm. It's the time before he got to turn himself in. You kind of don't know exactly what went down, but he's not going to mm -hmm. snitch or something. He's trying to decide if he's going to make a run for it or not. You know, the night before, he got this chick that he digs, this young chick. Is he going to run for it? Try to get his, not only his life together before he got to turn himself in, but his mind together. The option of should I stay or should I go for it? Usually those kind of movies I don't really necessarily care for because not like necessarily a lot going on, but the way he nuanced that movie, it just is it, powerful. And it just always it has me coming back. It's nothing in particular about it. Like I said, it's like mm -hmm. some guy that had nothing to do with me. He don't look like me, he, but I feel for him. I feel for the situation. I feel for his buddies. I feel for the chick and the guys thinking that she snitch on you and all this other kind of stuff. We got the big picture of what happened, but not the nuances of what happened. We're in the middle of it. We don't know if he's really, really guilty. We don't know really none of that. It's just this guy on his last free night. And I think a story like that, if it wasn't in the right hands, it could be very boring. The story would be almost like a play. Like you would yeah. have seen a theater to appreciate it. But to make that a full length film, mm -hmm. you know, Philip Seymour Hoffman was in there. I'm, I'm a big fan of his. Anna Paquin was in it. Earlier Dawson was in it. It's just like a whole bunch of folks was in it. And it wasn't like, oh, these are the stars or anything like that. It was just kind of like, felt like the people yeah. really were just there of that time. And right. I never saw them as the star that they were. I just saw them as the characters that they were playing. So to get those kind of performances out of them, I think it took a special director to be able to do that. And also I think it was like a, a call out that he don't just have to direct black people. You yeah. Know, that he is a strong, competent director. Not that he needed mm -hmm. to do that, because we already know that he was. But right. I think that movie was kind of like, oh. And then almost like they didn't want to give it credit like that just because it was yeah. really good. But, mm -hmm. you know, Spike touched it. So therefore, we can't get too excited about it. But yeah, he made something that was, like I said, could have been just like, whatever, a TV movie or a play into this powerful, dramatic, uh, suspenseful, and enlightening film. Yeah, I think that I 
I thought that it was like with ease and not as intense as like the other ones. I think I felt like I was on that trip with him. Like, oh, you know what I mean? Like you were almost parallel to him, like every place that he was going to and visiting, you know, you felt like you were saying goodbye, you know, with him, along with him. I thought the direction was great in that. It just just felt very easy, the whole thing was. So that's one of my favorite ones. I like Edward Norton too. too. So is that one of your three or you had a whole different three? That was kind of one of them. So I would start with She's Gotta Have It because I did not know about Mm. uh, Spike Lee until this woman that I was working with was like, have you seen this movie that this young guy, this young filmmaker, you know, African-American filmmaker has made? And that's all she said. She didn't really talk about the plot as much. She was talking about him because there was some history with his film, you know, she's got to have it. So Mm. I was like, oh, okay, let me check it out. And I, I saw it. Uh, just based on the fact that there was some up and coming African-American filmmaker. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I would have necessarily gone to see that film if I had saw like a trailer for it or something. I probably right. saw a poster mm-hmm. and, you know, being with that artist mindset, I was attracted to the poster like, oh, it looks like it's going to be great. And I saw it and I was like, this is, you know, even during that time, what was so phenomenal about him making it is that there's so many nuances in the in the sense of what you're saying about how people feel about women. You know what I mean? As far as like the premise of what she was doing and the plot of what she was doing and how she was so confident in herself where she's just like, you know, men do this kind of stuff all the time. I'm, I'm confident I know who I am and I'm not gonna change who I am for anybody. And the fact that she had three different men that suited, you know, all of her needs mm-hmm was like before it's time like yeah. there that's probably going on now with young ladies back mm-hmm. then a whole different era of like women coming out of the like oh she's fast or she's a whore or she's this and that you know what i'm saying yeah. and him writing that during that time was was you know ahead of its time yeah. The fact that he can make women accountable for, you know, what they wanted to do, how they felt, them being confident. So that was definitely one of the films that I wouldn't have gone to see, period. That was probably my first indie film. Like I was doing all the blockbusters and stuff. So that was a real awakening. And then after that, I was just like, okay, which, what's next? You know, um, real quick. Did you see the remake television show that he did? I did. I did. Did you enjoy it? I loved it. I didn't just enjoy it. I loved it. I loved it. I loved that series. I was I was disappointed that there wasn't a second series. I loved it. <laughs> Why okay, the thing? Okay. I loved it. I thought certain parts were fine. I think other things kind of got lost. He didn't write them. This woman is doing the writing for it. So I think some of the writing wasn't as nuanced as I would have wanted it to be. And I think that Insecure coming out around that time messed it up. If I wouldn't have saw Insecure, I think I would have taken that show differently. I think that Insecure almost had like a, almost a more grounded kind of thing. And this wasn't, it was grounded, but it wasn't, you know, Spike Lee, his Brooklyn is a different Brooklyn. It's, it's Brooklyn. It is. It's an aspect of it, but it's almost like a play. But the way I saw Insecure and how those characters interacted made me look at that expecting something more. And I don't know if you it's just because I was comparing them to or if it just wasn't as strong or I just wanted something different from it. I don't know. I don't know. Did you see the entire series? Yes, I did. Yeah. Yeah, we could definitely unpack that. To me, it was, it was like poetry. Mm-hmm. It was just like poetry to me. And the way that it was written, the dialogue in it was very poetic. Even the actual person that played, you know, the character, she Nola didn't Darling. look like the. Yeah, she didn't look like the original character. She's a you know short brown girl, you know. So for her to be very confident, even in her in her stature, was good for me. I'm a short brown girl, you know what I mean. So like the fact that it was updated and modernized, you know what I mean, as far as the relationships that she had. It was just good. I mean, I, I just really liked it. I liked the way that it looked because that's, you know, that's mm-hmm. who Spike Lee is. Yeah. Yeah, I just really liked it. So we, we yeah. can definitely unpack that more. We yeah. go on episode. For sure. 
like I said, it was beautifully shot. I love seeing beautiful brown people. Everybody not just mm. fair-skinned, which I thought was kind of cool. I like the fact that she was an artist and all that. I love the music. Yes. I even didn't mind Mars Blackman reinterpretation. Mm. Could that, yeah, that makes sense. I wasn't like, oh, he's not black. No, that fits. Yeah. He had the yeah. vibe. He had the vibe. The different dudes. I like how that was done. Even the posh dude, he was funny. I don't know. Like I said, parts of it to me was just really strong and other parts of it just kind of like, eh. There were probably some episodes that were a little weak. You know what I mean? In the sense of like a very strong one. And then this one is just kind of like this one. You know then, what I mean? And there was Spike Lee always kind of hitting these points and stuff. The chick in her bottom. <laughs> That's a Spike Lee thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, like even that yeah. was just kind of like, wait, what? People wouldn't touch that. Yeah. They wouldn't. And I wouldn't want somebody else touching it either because the yeah. way they would do it, like it wasn't like, okay, even though it was kind of played a little bit for comedy, it also touched on the fact that what made that even happen in the first place? That didn't come out of nowhere. Right. right. You got to break somebody exactly. to, to make them build themselves in that image. You right. Know, it was work to get somebody to go there. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So it wasn't just like, you know, look at their clown like somebody else would have dealt with it. It was like mm-hmm. you had the whole journey of it. To the mm-hmm. fact that she even had to laugh a little bit about it at the end. What was I thinking? Right. Yeah. No matter who was telling her not to do it, yes. she was like, I'm trying to make this money. Yeah. Trying to make my image a little, you know, yeah. different too. So I thought that was a full situation versus thinking people just lost their mind trying to hurt themselves. No, I don't don't think that's ever the case. But in untrained hands, that's normally how it's promoted. Mm -hmm. So I like that it was nuanced and fair, even though it's still crazy to see. They didn't let it just be a um, spectacle. They let it be a a learning lesson. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So I didn't hate it. One of my favorites. But yeah. (laughs) I, I I love the retreats, the artist retreat. That was neat. I love that part. Even the artist's personalities, how someone was like pretentious and stuff. I thought it was just funny. I was like, yeah, I know some of those those types. <laughs> <laughs> and all the stories, like, eh. mm-hmm. like yeah, that's, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and she just wanted to be an artist. I saw myself in that. Like, if I was in that situation, I'd be more kind of like her, just knowing that all artists are not created equal and people have different agendas. Because mm-hmm. you just think that I'm an artist, they're artists, we are artists. No. Without further information, you don't know if you're we. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes you give people credit that they don't necessarily earn. And that's a journey within itself. Yeah. So you liked it. See? I didn't hate it, but I, but I know the way I said it. I didn't want you to just think that I, I didn't want it to come off as if I didn't. <laughs> so I did have issues, but it wasn't to tear it down because I did watch it, but it was just kind of like, yeah, some of it was just kind of, you know, but, but yeah, but I'm sorry yeah. to interrupt. No, that's this, okay. So. That's okay. I just, cause when you, when I said it, you were like, what? Like son, that was pretty funny. <laughs> that was pretty funny. Um, I want to say maybe Crooklyn. Mm. Um, only because it didn't seem like the other movies, you know what I'm saying? It was just completely different. If it was somebody else that was like, oh, I made this story about a family in Brooklyn. Yeah. Um, I might have been like, oh, I'll wait until it comes on TV or rent it or something like that. But um, I didn't know until after I saw that it was based on, you know, his true story, you know, about his family. His mom passed away and his father was a musician and he was in this movie. So I don't think I would have necessarily went to go see something like that if it wasn't, you know, if it wasn't him, if he didn't direct it. And I basically just went because it was a Spike Lee film. Okay. You know, not based on the the actual trailer or anything else that I saw. Yeah. I just, you know, because it was about kids and stuff. And it kind of strayed away from the stuff that I normally saw him do, like very adult things. You know what I mean? And then it was like, okay, do I want to see like a movie about a family, you know, without knowing it was really about, you know, his family. Yeah. And that was just more endearing when I find, I think I figured it out in the movie. Like, oh, this kind of parallels like his situation, his life. And I did enjoy it yeah. uh, when I figured that part out. And just the acting was good. So that was that was one of them. The movie that I saw that I probably was on the fence about because it was it had been a couple of years since he had made any films. Miracle at Santa Ana was 2008 mm. and then Red Hook Summer was 2012. Oof. There's a big gap between. 
So I was like, where you where you been, Spike? Let me let me rush to the theater to go see it. Yeah. And I did not like that movie at all. Red Hook Summer. It gave me a guttural response. A guttural response. I walked out of that theater and I had to walk around the parking lot. I had a similar and, and, reaction. Yeah. My family was with me and they were like, okay. You know what I mean? Like, you know, what's going on? I, I was disturbed by that. I was disappointed. I was everything by that movie. I, I was disappointed in him, I, I would say. I was, because I was like, I don't understand why he would make a movie like that. Yeah. I felt I felt bamboozled. I did. I did. So, um. <laughs> you got something to say. <laughs> okay. Um, all right, let's touch on it a little bit then, since we're here. Okay. You saying you didn't like that one, even though you went to it because of Spike Lee? I did not like that. Okay. It ended with me not liking it. I went okay. because it was a Spike Lee movie. Okay. I like Spike Lee movies that are Mo Better Blues, mm -hmm. Jungle Fever, um, all of those, you know, school days, all of those that show us in a light that other people don't see us in, that people think is impossible for us to be in. So yeah. when it comes down to like the family genres, I'm like, oh, okay, you know, that's something that you can see in any lights. Anyone can make a family genre. So right. I went because it was a Spike Lee movie, but if someone else had made it, I probably would have, I would have yeah. skipped that, you know? Okay, same same for me. I didn't see it in the theater, cause I don't know if it was in the theater at the time or it was one of those kind of movies, like I was looking up something about him and I was like, I don't remember this movie, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And so when it finally came out, it's like, oh, it's coming to, I don't know if it was like Netflix or something where I could watch it, right? And I was excited. So I was like, um, let me check out this movie. Cause I thought like, how did that slide by? I don't remember no trailers for it yeah. or nothing. I'm like, I don't remember him doing this movie. Mm -hmm. And so I was excited to see it. I was kind of curious. So when I first started seeing it and I'm like, eh, and it looked kind of cheap. You know, it looked like it was like a, one of those new cameras because Lee Spike Lee has a, a look, right? You know, right. Yeah. Like, you know, it didn't look like his normal movies or whatnot, mm -hmm. you know? And then they show like, you know, him walking by with the pizza. And I was like, oh, so he's tied it into like, you know, he's still around delivering pizzas for Sal. Exactly. Got burned. So I was like, okay, that's a good uh -huh. sign. It's kind of rough, but whatever. Um, dialogue's kind of clunky. I see the kid. Oh, the kid is cute. And I like his inter interaction with the girl. So it was like I was forgiving a lot of stuff because like Spike Lee, he'd be the one that would let first time actors have a chance. It's been a while now, but I was kind of used to if the person wasn't the best actor or whatever, you just kind of forgave it because, you know, the story and all that's the rest of that. That's mm -hmm. But I was hanging in there because I like Spike Lee and was trying to see where he's going with it. And then he went to go live with his grandfather over the summer and all that. Um, that movie was haunting. It hit me hard. It messed me up. Almost where I almost didn't want to touch anything of his just because it was just like, I didn't know what to do with that. Like, mm -hmm. why go there? Mm -hmm. We all know it's quite possible, right? It happens. Uh, somebody's reality, maybe more often than we care to admit, possibly. So I was trying to figure out how come I took the plot point so hard when it wasn't as if I would, could have thought like, well, you know, that would never happen, you know, because sometimes I don't like seeing stuff that, um, all right, mention another movie only for the purpose of kind of explaining what I'm trying to say. Uh -huh. You seen the movie um, Queen of Slim? Yes. Okay. I kind of didn't care for that movie, right? Really? Yeah. I thought it was offensive, mm -hmm. the scene where they showed that little black boy shoot that cop in the face. Mm -hmm. Folks treat us based off of that scenario, which is not mm -hmm. a real scenario. Right. So to be a black person and put that into reality, even though it's a movie, but to even put that as if somebody could go back and be like, yeah, I remember hearing that happen or I seen it happening. Not saying that it was from a movie, but remember, we already have enough stuff that's being pent on us. Do not add right. things to the world that's not Trust me, if it was a thing that really happened, it was a common thing that happened, they would be playing on on a reel. Mm -hmm. We couldn't avoid seeing it all the time. So to put that out there when that's not even a thing, you know, we know who be doing that kind of stuff and they don't ever show that. So it was just very interesting that a young black boy with a cop that was actually acting decent, right, that to him. Well, right. we know we ain't seen that or heard no mess like that. Cause if it was, we wouldn't be able to forget about it. Cause every time they would do right, something right. to us, they'd be like, well, remember when that kid did it? As a rebuttal to the stuff that they'd be doing to us. Mm -hmm. Yeah. When I think about it now, if that's part of the story, that's just part of the story. 
you know that was it that was that scenario whatever whatever right it could mm-hmm. happen whatever that was his journey his summer because a lot of times in summertime you go around with other family members you're around different people things could happen on summer vacations you know it's always some mess that could go down when you go on summer vacation so mm-hmm. seeing him being in a whole different world that was fine or whatever it's not that i thought i guess we could just say I guess it don't matter well spoiler warning or whatever the granddad was a pastor and he was messing around with some kids, messing around with some boys. And when one of those boys from his past came up to him and confronted him, mm-hmm. that even talking about that gives me chills. And that was Carmen Domingo. That's the first time I've seen him. He acted his butt off, it made me uncomfortable. Close up shot. It was just crazy what that meant for that truth to come out. And I don't know. It was a lot. It was a lot. And I didn't know how to take it. Yeah. Other than me just feeling sick. Yeah. That's a great word to describe it. I wonder when you have like a preview of that film, because there had to be previews of it afterwards. Like I didn't hear any reviews. I mean, I didn't read any reviews about it afterwards because I don't typically read reviews about his films anyway, because they're always somebody's opinion. It doesn't matter to me. You know what I mean? But I was extremely affected by it. And I kind of thought, like, do I want to see any more of his films? And I think if I look at the yeah. the list, did the blood of Jesus come after that? Or it might have. It might have been around the same time, because I know after seeing this, I didn't want to touch nothing else. I don't know. It just threw me off. It could have been around that time. How about this? After seeing that, it made me not touch the blood of Jesus one. I just yeah. knew not to go there. When yeah. before, I would have watched it anyway, just because it was Spike. Mm-hmm. But after that movie got me, I was like, no. If I, if I just don't feel quite right, I'm just not going to go. Right. And I don't remember any promotion about it or any um, like him having any interviews or anything about that film. You know what I mean? I didn't know it existed. (laughs) I didn't know it. Remember, I told you I was looking for something else about him. And I saw that he had a movie. I'm like, that's not a movie. And first I thought like maybe it was a video or some short documentary or something like that. Mm -hmm. And then I saw, oh, he did a movie. I didn't hear nothing about it. And it's weird, you know? Like I know he's fighting for attention and to get out there because they don't really promote his stuff. So, Mm -hmm. and I saw all his movies. So I was thinking like, that's weird. How did that get past me? And so so for me to actually hear about it, not knowing about it, being excited about it, finally getting a chance to see it, it don't seem like it's, you know, it's a lot of money behind it. Is it kind of cheap yeah. for Spike and all this other yeah. kind of stuff? It's not the best directed, not the best whatever, but mm-hmm. I'm, I'm I'm on for this, okay? You know, like the kid actors and stuff. And then a story to unfold. I'm like, 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 like I, I chased this down. Yeah. Maybe if I would have saw a trailer and it hinted at something like that, then I would just yeah. be like, no, thank you. Yeah. Or had the mind frame to know what I was walking into. Exactly. Imagine taking your kids to see it. Cause that's what I did. Wow. Imagine that I, wow. I took my kids to see it. You know, like I said, I, I, when I walked out, that was in my head too. Like that might've been their first time ever being exposed to something like that. My daughter was in college, so they were older. She, it was probably like her first year of college. So they didn't talk about it. Thank goodness, because she was at least, you know, 19 and he was probably like 17 or 16, 17. Right. So they didn't talk about it. But my reaction from it was probably confusing to them. And I knew that they only went to see that movie because they knew that I, you know, I really like Spike Lee, that I'm a big fan. So they really went in support of me. Right. And then I was like, and, and this is what they came out with, you know? And I, I still, I think we kind of talked about it, but not really, you know, they might've said that was weird, mm-hmm. you know, but who wants to talk about that at that age, you know, teenagers, who wants to talk about, you know, what they saw. And I always just felt like, why? Like, why did he make that movie? Like, you know, what was the reason for it? Like, what did we gain from from that film? You know, what was the knowledge that we gained from that? You know, we know that exists. Right. We only know from whence we came as a Black community mm-hmm. that some of that stuff exists where it's been, it's hush-hush. You know what I mean? And nobody talks about it. And it's within the family. And it's sometimes it's family that does it. And mm-hmm. people just ignore it for generations and stuff like that. So I feel like he was speaking to that a little bit, like our community and how we keep things. But I mean, that happens in, you know, Catholic churches and exactly. stuff like that, too. So it wasn't necessarily just us. But I just was not expecting that. I, I just wasn't. 
and it wasn't anything that we were eased into like you said it just was like this is what it is and that's it it wasn't even anything that was in the beginning of the film or the middle of the film it was the end so you had to right walk away with that information so and like i said thinking about it now it's fine i guess but like i said maybe it's just like the fact that i was blindsided maybe that was it maybe and it was just a lot it undid all the good faith of the earlier mm -hmm. part it just blew the whole thing up mm-hmm mm -hmm. like i feel bad for that kid but what, what about me what about <laughs> How I'm going to sleep tonight, <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. How am I going to sleep with that kind of information? So that was not, yeah, that was, that was not good. If I see him again, <laughs> we have to have a discussion about it. it. It won't be me saying I'm a big fan. It'd be like, what's up with Red Hook Summer? You know, what, what was that about? Okay. So say you didn't know that it had something to do with, you know, the grandfather, something going down, something messed up or whatever. You think he was wrong for making it? I don't think he was wrong for making something that exists and it happens and we know that those things happen. I think it's it's kind of like what you said, like if I knew ahead of time, I wouldn't have gone to see it. I would have just skipped that one, you know? Um, and I don't, I don't know what his reasoning behind it. He's a filmmaker and he can make any kind of film he wants to make, you know what I mean? Right. Um, when I was studying film, I came out of it like, oh, I wouldn't mind making documentary. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? So I think that when people make films, they make them, especially if it's somebody like him who's writing his own you know, films, writing his scripts and stuff like that, they make them for a reason. So I think I felt like, what was the reason? I, I wanna know, you know what the reason was. Did he read a bunch of stuff? Like if you say four little girls, we know what the reason was for that because there was an injustice done and he's a very, you know, civic-minded person as far as justice and stuff like that. Right. So that brings me back to like, why? I know why you made Malcolm X because you were a big fan of Malcolm X. I know why you made Mo Better Blues because you have a background with your dad being a jazz musician. Right. You know, I know why you made School Days because you went to a HBCU, you know. I know why you made, you know, the Santa Ana one because it's about black soldiers. You know what I mean? It's like, I know, I know, I know, but then it's like with this one, I know why you did Crooklyn because I, you know, it's your family. But with this one, it just left me not saying why did he make it as much as like why did he go against his grain of filmmaking? You know, what made him decide to touch that subject? If I had seen an interview ahead of time that said, oh, I've been, you know, reading a lot about this kind of stuff or afterwards, I've been reading a lot about this stuff or I needed to speak to it, then I would have probably understood it a little more. But he doesn't owe me anything, you know. We are the other side of his art, you know? We're the ones that do it and he's the one that makes it. So we can have an opinion on it and that's fine. I think I'm uncomfortable with how personal that could possibly be. Because mm -hmm. to me, it's definitely more personal than, than she hates me or mm -hmm. Inside Man, or mm -hmm. 25th Hour. Like I said, it's a black experience. I'm, you know, like I said, who don't know, like, you know, going away for the summer, you know, to, you know, to family that you normally don't see on a normal basis. So I felt like it was in his wheelhouse as far as like, you know, black stories or whatnot. But um, being away from the movie now, like I said, that could be a story that just needed to be told, but I think it was more or less me being blindsided than it was the actual story. I didn't appreciate the story. Me personally didn't. Appreciate. Yeah. Like I said, who knows? Maybe, you know, I'm not saying it was him, but maybe somebody he knew. I definitely believe that there was some kind of experience with that. You know, like you said, it could have been somebody that he knew or, you know, a story that was told to him or something like that. And he thought, you know, well, this happened, so I'm going to talk about it. Even though he didn't, but it kind yeah. of like he broke a rule. <laughs> yeah, that's, it's like a rule of, trust kind of I don't know like I don't know and again he can make any kind of film he wants to make and I'm just the audience and I don't believe in yeah, yeah. you know filmmakers making films for the audience per se my kids were older they were young almost young adults you know what I mean but if yeah. you're trying to anoint your your kids to Spike Lee movies and you see it's about a little boy right right it's about a little boy and his grandfather you know what right, I mean right yeah, it's I, a family film. Kinda. That, that's funny. In general, I don't trust Spike Lee with my kids. In general, no, 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 no. So when she turns I, eighteen, you're like, okay, here, come into come into the 
the room. Yeah. Look at well, the shelf. Yeah, but like maybe, maybe maybe 16, 17. I don't know. She's about to be 15. So maybe. Well, she is 15 now. Like I said, for the, but for the most part, usually he touches, like like we we're saying, he touches on stuff that usually people don't touch on. So yeah. there's a lot of real truths about it. And it's just kind of like, you know, I think that the kids today, when they don't even understand the idea of racism, right? Yeah. Like the way it truly is. Like you tell them and they kind of like roll their eyes or be like, that's not me. You know, Spike Lee or gut punches that they ain't prepared for. You know, it almost have to be something that had to happen first. And you'd be like, here, this is how Spike Lee says it. <laughs> right, right, right. Let me, let me help you break down that gut I, punch. I've been waiting for this. But I don't want to give her the gut punch. I want right, to right. help her. I want to warn her. So I'll say my stuff. And then if the gut punch happens anyway, now I'll be like, here, here's Uncle Spike. And let him break down this colorism thing or break down this, you know, racism thing or break down this, you know, let him do this kind of stuff. I, I took my kids from Roots to like Malcolm X. I believe it was like during the summer, you know, mm -hmm. when the kids are out of school or something like that. And they were of age to understand it. Mm -hmm. um, and we talked about it, you know, it was like a history lesson in that, mm -hmm. in that sense. But mm -hmm. like you said, you gotta be ready for it. And you, you, you're the only one that knows when you want to expose your kids to certain things in life, you know? Yeah, well, how much control we really have? Cause like life is gonna happen regardless of us opening the door for it or not. Um, yeah. So some stuff we could kind of give them uh, a warning to and some stuff we just gotta catch them after they fall from it. And we just don't know what side of it we're gonna be on. Mm -hmm. So I do my preventative the way I can that I feel. But then, like I said, sometimes I, you know, it's the opposite way around where the situation happens, and I gotta, you know, break it down or whatnot. But um, I'm glad for the success he has. But I also understand the road he chose for himself. Right. You know, right. that's why he isn't a Tyler Perry. Mm -hmm. Not that he would want to be. He chooses meals, not fast mm -hmm. food. Mm -hmm. And if you don't have an enlightened palate, he's not digestible. He will turn you off. You'll see it on your plate and be like, no, thank you. I, I'm full or I'll just have salad. I'm thankful to him for being that because we don't find that in too many things, you know, especially with our faces and, and our experiences in there where he figured out a way. Every movie yeah. could have been do the right thing. It mm -hmm. worked. Why not do the mm -hmm. right thing? Five, you know. Pookie's Revenge or whatever. It could be anything. He could have leaned into anything, but he always chose to jump and do different aspects and different perspectives in different ways. You know, he could have just been a guy who did college movies. Yeah, but are we guilty of of comparing, you know, folks to folks? Like comparing, you know, um, not apples to oranges in this sense, but that's what the, the outcome would be. But just comparing you know, Tyler Perry to Spike Lee, who we know are two different directors and two different journeys and all of that. Do we do that with other ethnicities? Do we compare, I don't know, Martin Scorsese to like... Steven Spielberg? Right. I personally don't compare them. I don't compare Tyler Perry to Spike Lee. That's a whole different thing. Yeah. And But like I said before, when you have like, you know, 50 and five are questionable you, you could ignore them you it doesn't matter but you know you have two choices mm -hmm. out of two choices you can't help but lump them together even though they're drastically different i think sheer numbers makes it possible to separate out mm -hmm. so if you had a store with 100 garments and you had half that was you know dresses and half were pants you know, you can have like, okay, this is a man's shop and this is a woman's shop. But say you only have two outfits, right? Then it'll just be a combined store. Mm -hmm. Because it would make no sense to separate them because you don't have enough to, to have your own category. It'll just be right. a, a, a clothing store versus genre of types of clothes because you have so mm -hmm. many. Mm -hmm. So So we don't have that luxury. We have a store. Right. They have boutiques of different styles of whatever. Mm -hmm. We don't. So that's how our horror movie and documentaries and sci-fi, all that. It's just a black movie. <laughs> I'll just ask you this. What's your favorite Spike Lee? Do you have a favorite one? Yeah, so many. I think different ones kind of touched me at different times for different reasons. But you can only pick one. <laughs> I think that would be just hard one. for me to be honest. If you listed them, okay, if you had three, what would be the order? Mine would be Mo Better Blues, 
because I like jazz. And see, some of my stuff that I really like of his is also kind of disturbing in a way, but it's why it gleamed on me, but they'd be kind of like too heavy. Like, like as much as I like Mo' Better Blues, like I just kind of think of him just being hurt and messed up and just that whole thing. Oh. And you know what I mean? It'd just be crazy. He have heavy stuff. Like I like yeah. Do The Right Thing, but Radio Raheem, mm -hmm. you know, or even he got game. And it wasn't like he was just an abusive man. It just, they just got to shove it. Right. She slipped and he got hurt. So his movies are always kind of like, I'm going to love it, but I've got to go in here. It's going to be some thorns in here. Mm -hmm. And I'm not saying it as a bad thing, but that's how I see his stuff. So as, as much as I love his movies, it's hard for me just to kind of just jump into a Spike Lee movie. Even though I buy them just to support and stuff, and if they're on, I'll yeah. watch them. But there's always something I got to go through. Mm. But it costs me to go on that ride, and I have to be in a good spot. And I might not be saying that right, but that's how I kind of feel. Well, with me, um, Mo' Better Blues spoke to all of that, you know, the jazz theme and all of that kind of stuff. And just the fact that it was, again, the costuming, the colors and all of that great stuff in mm -hmm. it. I can put that soundtrack on and listen to it all day. You know, my kids even grew up listening to that, you know. Mm -hmm. And that's the one that speaks to me because, like I said, I have that history of like, you know, um, watching um, Lady Sings the Blues. So I've mm -hmm. always been like, you know, um, kin to like jazz. So for me, that's the number one one. And then um, do the right thing because it was just powerful. Yeah. You know, um, that would be number one, but it's just so powerful. And then I would say Malcolm X, but I, I think of Malcolm X kind of separate from, from yeah. him. I think it's just an epic film and it could be in any, all the categories of epic films. It doesn't have to be a Spike Lee movie. Like you don't, necessarily need to know that he directed it in order mm -hmm. for it to have its credit you know that it has so there's probably a third one but those are my top two those two i could watch and then 25th hours in there too so yeah so i'll probably do 25th hour do the right thing i don't know they're, they're all so different to me to be honest because like i said i remember when i just kept watching she hates me over and over again i just got kind of stuck on that i like i got stuck on 25th hour like like i got stuck on inside man i would actually throw in jungle fever too I would throw in Jungle Fever because it was fast paced. I think it's just something that could happen. You know, I think that's one of the things I do like about him is they're like real life scenarios that could, you know, that that's relatable. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and if people have never had those experiences, they get to see those experiences, obviously, from from his perspective. I think the soundtrack was good. There was, you know, a part in there about family being on drugs. So I'd say that was that that would be my top three. The Mo Better Blues do the right thing, and then Jungle Fever would be my top three. Yeah, I'm trying to think because I really enjoy Mo Better Blues as well. Like I said, it's just mm, it's hard, especially like if I was doing recommendations too. It'd be hard. I like his documentaries, like when the levee broke. Even though that was mm -hmm. hard to watch, that was very powerful and important. And his perspective was very important too. Everybody else probably would have candy coated it in a way. Right. It's just kind of doing it the way he did it. Um, question, what did you think of one of his movies that I just flat out just didn't get, even though I'm sure it was something to it, but um, Girl 6? I think that was one of the ones that I almost brought up earlier, like of when you said, would you have gone to see it if it was, you know, if he didn't make it? I almost listed that one, but I was like, I don't know how memorable it was for me. You know what I mean? I just know she was a phone sex operator and, you know, she met someone and tried to get out of it. You know what I mean? It just yeah. was like, I remember being in the theater watching it and being like, yeah. yeah. It's just like- When the phone falls from the sky. Yeah, like when, not, not when is this gonna be over, but just like, I just didn't really have a connection to it. You know what I mean? It was just, I think I tried to look at it from a, um, a perspective of like filmmaking, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Like, you know, like all the different kind of nuances from that. But I think I had stopped paying attention to the actual plot of that because it just okay. was like, I, it just wasn't really relatable to yeah. me. Um, me either. But, you know, like I said, I like, I like the actress and I like Prince. And like I said, I just, uh, I don't know. I just, I don't know. I guess her being lost in the different identities and just kind of, I don't know. But it was just one of the ones that just never really sat right with me for whatever reason. I remember he directed this Huey P. Newton play with the guy who played the character and do the right thing. Mm -hmm. So I like yeah. the stuff he directs, like his stage play. I like that a lot. So it, I don't know. Like I said, he got so much stuff. It just depends on on the vibe I'm in. 
but he has so many great movies and he kind of goes everywhere and I like that he has something to say about stuff and he doesn't pigeonhole himself. Mm-hmm. It's just unfortunate that he has to always fight for funding and stuff like that, but maybe he don't know it's going to be his last one so he gives it his all. I don't know. Did you see Chirac? I did. What did you think of that? Yeah. Um, but I just remember the women in the gym being mm-hmm. on strike and it was like, okay. Yeah, so... Yeah, so. but but he doesn't. I try, I try at least once, but but uh, but not that blood Jesus one. They could he could keep that. <laughs> but anyway, yeah. But yeah. So this is my conversation with Sabrina, catching up and talking about Spike Lee. Until next time, peace. See you later. Peace. Hey, this is Jay. If you enjoyed my conversation with Sabrina, you can also check out our conversation we had about Will Smith and also the movie Alice. Thanks for listening. Till next time, peace.